Warning! The podcast you're about to hear is very filthy. We say naughty words you would use as an adult anyway. It will cause you not to eat your vegetables, and your mom generally thinks it's a bad idea. Any moment of the show that has any similarity to the history of any person living or dead, real or fictional, to real events are entirely unintentional and coincidental. Unless we're specifically noted otherwise in the cast and crew credits, all celebrity voices are impersonated, and new celebrity has endorsed any aspect of the show. Everyone, uh, this is a unique episode of the Good, the Bad, and the Geeky. Uh, first off, it is uh, sponsored by Packrat Comics. Stop by Packrat Comics for all your comic book needs in the heart of Old Hilliard, Ohio, a suburb of Columbus. So, if you're in Columbus area, check out Packrat Comics. Packratcomics.com. Also, check out their uh, their podcast, The Pull List, and the Packrat Show. Really great stuff. Uh, you can also check out audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky with over 100,000 titles to choose from. Get your free Audible tr- Audible trial uh, book. It's pretty cool. And last but not least, check out Ultimate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, my uh, fan comic at utmnt.com. Or you can go to patreon.com forward slash utmnt and support us there. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash utmnt. All right, this episode's very unique. It's episode 238 of The Good, The Bad, and the Geeky, and it features my review of Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys, which is the film based after the musical named, wait for it, spoiler alert, people, Jersey Boys. I mean, right? Right. So, and also, this is a little unique episode because there is no other host. It's just me. Um, I don't know anyone else right now that has seen Jersey Boys that is willing to do the podcast at this exact moment. So, we're going to talk about Jersey Boys. And I say where I mean you and me, dear listener. We're going to go on a spiritual journey. A journey of wonder and beauty. And I mean, you're going to go on it with me, but you have to go there. You know, you have to be there with me. You have to commit 100% to this. Are you committed to Sparkle Motion? If so, you have committed to this journey. And this journey is the film Jersey Boys by Clint Eastwood. And... uh, I would say if you've seen the musical, at the end of the day, the, the movie Jersey Boys, directed by Clint Eastwood, is going to be a bit of uh, going to be a bit of a bummer. I, you know, my reason for it is is that there's an energy that is there with the uh, that's what the musical that is lacking in the movie. But the movie has more dramatic scenes in it and plays it... Well, obviously, it's more real because, you know, the camera sees more in a, in a scene between two individuals than it do, than it would on stage because you're watching it all play out um, while a camera can get in closer for close-ups and whatnot, medium shots, etc. But this was... Uh, by the way, i just like to apologize. Any weird noise you hear, it's because I'm driving in my car. This is another reason why we're... So I'm recording this when we have a moment to get it done. Uh... But the other thing is, is that this is uh, this is very unique because it's treated as a musical, but it isn't. 
it's really bizarre. So, um, but I would say if you're a fan of the musical, which I ended up seeing it last year, uh, it, it, it's lacking something. So like, for those who don't know the story of Jersey Boys, it's about the four, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Um, and the beauty of the Four Seasons is that uh, Frankie Valley and, and, you know, Tommy and Nick and uh, Bob, they all go through this weird transformation. And it's almost like an actual set of Four Seasons. And that's how the musical itself presents it. But the movie version of the musical doesn't really present it like that. It presents it a little differently. And it's a little, it's a little weird. It's a little strange. Um, they still do some of the, the side, aside stuff where the character looks right into the camera and starts addressing the audience directly, which is a staple of the musical. But off the top of my head, I don't know of any sequences where they sing a song because it's the, you know, cause that's what you do in a musical. Like in a musical, when Frankie Valley's daughter uh, dies of a drug overdose or something along those lines, it's a little more vague in the movie version. But in the Broadway musical, it's hinted that she died of a drug overdose. Um, she just couldn't quit the drugs and the alcohol. Uh, Frankie, uh, the, the, whoever plays Frank, Frankie Valley, sings you know, sings a, one one of their hits. I can't remember what it is right as I record this, but I was singing it up until I got into the car. Um, but the point is, is that it's stuff like that and in the movie. They don't, he doesn't, that, that, at the funeral, that doesn't happen. That's not what happens at all. Matter of fact, they, they do a nod to that by him singing her a lullaby when he's talking to her, to her earlier in the movie. So it's almost played up like it's not really a musical, so to speak, until the very end credits. And then Clint Eastwood shoots this massive actual musical sequence with a full cast and it's almost like a curtain call. And all of a sudden, the whole film gets this manic energy that it felt like it was sort of missing. And it was a little depressing because I wish the whole film had that energy, but at the same time, I wish it kept up the more dramatic scenes that it added in or it punched up in this version. And I don't know. Now, with that being said, was the film bad? Dear God, no. Uh, the stuff with Francine was played a little bit more, was, had a little bit more better pacing. The breakup of the band, of the group, uh, felt a little bit more, it felt real, it felt more dramatic. And I wanted to see more of that relationship. There was an energy to that sequence, and it felt very organic, and it felt a little off from the rest of the film. And does Eastwood do a good job shooting the film, though? Yeah, but it just feels like they don't know if they want to do a jukebox musical with the story of the, of the Four Seasons or if they're going to do something else. And, it, and at that point, it, to me, it felt like they needed to commit to one or the other. So if you're going to do something like that, you don't do a big curtain call scene at the end of the movie unless you have it somehow thematically fit what's coming before it. Uh, you know, I, and these are just my minor thoughts or complaints. Like I thought the musical did a better job of selling the, the handshake pact that Bob and Frankie did, had with each other. Um, which is one of the things that sort of bothered the other members of the group. But then at the same time, the movie sort of glosses over that and 
treats it with a little bit different set of, of, of gloves. You know, in, in the movie, it, it's it, at least to me from my memory of it, it feels more like Tommy sort of knew about the agreement, but then didn't tell anybody. And if I remember the musical, Tommy didn't really hear the agreement. Uh, he came in after the agreement was sort of said, and he just goes, I don't know what the agreement was, but they have something on the side. You know, that sucks, and because I, I treated Frankie and, you know, all that other stuff. So... It was a little bizarre. Um, Christopher Walken did a wonderful job. All the actors did a wonderful job in the role. And uh, another minor complaint is you know, the guy, character, who, the actor who plays Nick, did a fabulous job. But I think Eastwood sort of fumbled the ball a little bit more when it came to presenting uh, the Nick character. Um, as a clean freak, as someone who, you know, takes good care of his appearance. And it's amazing what a few simple actions as an actor on a stage can do with a few other lines to establish that this guy really is concerned about his looks. He's really concerned about health and, and, and hygiene. And so when he blows up, when the band starts to fall apart, uh, you know, that is the, the crux of, oh, hey, it's very easily said that when he blows up at Tommy for, you know, trashing the hotel room, using towels and not having good hygiene and pissing in the sink and all this other kinds of stuff, which in itself sounds funny, but it, the fact that Nick is talking about it anyway is funny onto itself just because he never talks. And when he does, it, he, they don't really listen to him in the first place. It feels like a gag that's sort of overlooked and not really handled well. And I don't know if that's in editing or if that's in writing. or And part of me think it's more in writing than it is in directing. And uh, But it's Clint Eastwood, and I think that Clint Eastwood has the, the chutzpah, if I dare may say, to sort of, you know, be in control of that. But at the end of the day... Eastwood had a vision for the movie and I think that whatever I feel about it he did pull it off and and because at the end of the day I didn't hate the movie matter of fact I will probably buy the movie and it doesn't hinder my love of the music of the Four Seasons it doesn't hinder my love of (coughs) anything like that Uh, it just doesn't and and it feels like I'm doing nothing but trash and nitpick the movie, but really, it, I think it's just because the musical, I I don't love the idea of a jukebox musical. I, I just don't like it. With this, though, it feels a little bit more common sense that, oh, it is a jukebox musical because this is the music that they're singing, and, and, that, and that, to me, is really, really fucking cool. You know what I mean? I love that idea. I love the principle behind that. And to me, one of my favorite parts of the musical was never really translated well on screen. And I, I was looking forward to sharing that with my family who went to see the movie with me. Um, to tran- seeing that moment transcribed from stage to screen, and that is when they performed Don. The song, Don, go away, I'm no good for you. Okay, I can't do that anymore because uh, it's hurting your guys' ears. But 
there's a scene in the musical which is sort of the, from the poster, which is you see them perform on stage and it spins around somehow. I don't even remember how they do it, but it spins around to reveal what they see from, from, from their perspective, which is the audience and how much fame they've, how successful they are and how high, you know, what they've hit. And it's, I'm not going to lie, it moved me to tears because it was just, it was just so breathtaking that they pulled it off live on stage like that. And it's something, it's one of those scenes I'll never forget that I've seen in a Broadway play. And I've seen The Lion King two or three times. I've seen other, Book of Mormon. And and that's one of those scenes that is just, it wows me every time I think about it. Like, I, I'm starting to get a little choked up right now. And I think that's something that was sort of taken away from the when Clint Eastwood did that. And that is a director, directorial choice. And I think that, at the end of the day, is really the only thing I can think of that I, I, I would actually hold uh, against Eastwood. So, but, um, yeah. That's really all I have to say about that, about Jersey Boys. Um, I would say go check it out, but maybe go to a matinee where it's only like $5 or something like that. Um, unless you really love Jersey Boys the musical or the the Four Seasons, then this movie's totally for you. But, um, which again, I didn't mind paying the full like 7 to 12 bucks to go see the movie. But, but if for for the casual movie gover movie gover, which is a new word I've I've torn I've toimed. Oh look at here! I'm gaining a Jersey accent over here, just talking about shit and shit. You know what the fuck I'm saying? With this movie gopher over here. Look at this motherfucker right here. Movie gopher, movie gopher. Yeah, that's right, motherfucker. I'm talking to you. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm really sorry. I'm rambling, but uh, I'm not editing any of this, which is a fucking crime. Because some of this needs to be taken out. But point is, Jersey Boys, average moviegoer, I'd hold off on it, maybe to DVD or Netflix. But for everyone else who likes the music a little bit even, uh, this is right up your alley. And uh, if you've seen the musical, I think you'll just see see it as, eh, okay. Unless you didn't like the musical. And at that point, everything I just said was fucking negated. So... All right, well, thanks everybody for listening out to the show for this little bit uniquely different episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. I might do stuff like this more in the, more in the future. I don't know. I, I always feel weird talking to myself and going, doing stuff like that because, I don't know, I just feel fucking weird talking. I feel like I'm talking to myself, and I, I technically am, but you're going to listen to me talking to myself, which is sort of like a paradox because if I talk to myself, I don't want you to hear me talking to myself. And it's weird because I'm driving a car and... Um, so I'm sort of, I'm probably breaking some laws and all kinds of stuff. The sign says no turn on red, but I'm turning on red because, you know, fuck the road. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, of course you do. You're my boy, boo. You're my boy. All right. So yeah, so everyone, thanks for listening. I appreciate it for my rambling and uh, Jersey Boys, check it out or not. And stay tuned to episode 239 of The Good, The Bad, and Geeky, featuring our old pal, Jimmy Whistleteats. No, I'm kidding. It's Jerome Wetzel. We're going to talk about some really cool stuff, so stay tuned. Get out of here without cheese! You're a creep! Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place! What the fuck am I supposed to say? <laughs> what song is that?